Yeah, that would be fun once we have like a good amount of listeners yes. to show up live. Yeah, so talking about <laughs> our future of our brilliant podcast, which is totally brilliant. Yeah. I'm really excited is. about where it's going. Like this is it really we've got a good show going. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm really proud of it. <sighs> okay. Okay. So Welcome to another episode of the Bulgarian and Beyond podcast. We're up to chapter 17 of Porn of Prophecy and Gary is right in the mix this week. Um, mm-hmm. My name is Sandra Turnbull. I'm from the Goddess Kindled Universe and I'm here with my podcast partner, Alicia. Say hi to the good folks, Alicia. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Good to be here. I'm excited for this chapter because, yeah, it was action-filled, mm-hmm. you know. And I apologize to Sandra because I'm going to be massaging my head like the whole episode. Oh, you <laughs> don't have to apologize at all. You get to watch. I'm, I'm like thinking, oh, that looks really relaxing and nice. <laughs> I might start, you know, zoning out a little bit. Yeah, I'm trying to get this headache under control and it's just not cooperating. Oh, honey, have you got some water yeah. before we get into things? Yeah, I do. I okay. have water here. All right. So, well, let's go straight into Pogara's Cup and I'll keep an eye on the time and we'll just no dilly-dallying tonight, my darling. Yeah. So, you want to go first? How was your week? <laughs> oh, okay. I'll go first. So... This week, my potion has been hot honey tea, soothing yeah. and restorative. Um, I've been uh, formatting the workbook of my, my new nonfiction experiential guide. So the, the, paperback's been re- the, the paperback was released. And so from the paperback, I'm creating a workbook with lots of journaling space and drawing space and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I finished the whole thing. And then I realized oh. that it was in the wrong freaking size, the wrong trim size. So I had to start again in oh. the right trim size. And I just finished that today. So it was, it was okay that that happened. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't, I didn't get the, the frustrating over, like the, that overwhelm that sometimes kicks in, like, um, like I feel like I failed. I didn't get that feeling. So yeah, I'm like, I'm learning. Yeah. So I'm learning how to iterate my business processes mm-hmm. without, and, and appreciating each time for what it is and what it can teach me and what I get out of it rather than feeling like, um, when I have to start over, it's because I failed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's big growth, I think. I think that's a big shift for me. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so that didn't go quite as planned. And then, but, but, so the hot honey tea part is like, because, you know, you, when your throat gets really rough and sore, you kind of have hot honey tea and it's, it's like a soothing kind of thing. And... And so this whole experience with having to start over with the formatting of an entire manuscript (laughs) felt, felt kind of, um, it felt soft. There was nothing sharp about it. There was no kind of horrible, unkind voice in my head, you know, telling me what a dreadful job I'd done. There was none of that. It was really beautiful. And, 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 and as just as an aside, talking about my throat, I snore like a frenzied lumberjack. <laughs> like it's really, really chronic. And my poor Hanukkah, my poor Pixie is quite a light sleeper. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I bought her really good earplugs like a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. My story was so bad. But lately I've like been waking up with a sore throat. Um, mm-hmm. My soft palate literally closes my airways off and like it's so bad 
And um, Pixie was at the dentist last week and she saw an ad in on their TV for like a mouth, like it's like almost like a mouth guard mm-hmm. kind of affair that you can get fitted for snoring. Wow. <laughs> and, and so we thought, okay, we sort of were, we're starting to look into that. I said, well, maybe that's a good idea. We'll give it a try. But, you know, it's quite expensive and you've got to go through insurance and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, what if it doesn't work? And so we found this alternative, this much, much, much cheaper kind of thing that you could just, we ordered it over the internet. As called Mr. Snore, Mr. Anti Snore. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like a sort of mouth guard and with this, this plastic form that you soak in hot, hot water and then you put it in your mouth and you, you clamp your teeth down. I know nobody can see me, but I'm doing all the actions for you. Podcast, yeah, it's a podcast, Sandra. So you put it to your <laughs> teeth and like push it and fit it to your teeth and you line your front teeth up so your jaw, your bottom jaw is slightly forward. Mm-hmm. Just just a little bit. And it freaking well works. Two nights now, no snoring at all. Wow. At all, at all. And the only difference is just it just pulls my bottom jaw forward just a little bit and creates that extra space in the back so my soft palate doesn't collapse. Is it um, comfortable sleeping that way? You don't. It's a bit weird. Like it's kind of bulky in my mouth. I feel like I'm going to go and play football or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like surprisingly, I don't wake up in a puddle of drool. So that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember like trying to sleep with the mouth guard when I was grinding my teeth and I couldn't even put that thing in. It was, yeah. it bugged me. So, well, that's, that's a bonus. I grind as well. And none, yeah. none, none, none more of that. So, so yeah, it's 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 weird, but I've only worn it for two nights. So ask me again next week. <laughs> if I'm still wearing it, <laughs> but it works. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I remember last week you were having the throat thing too with the coughing and the. Yes. Yeah, so. Seems like a whole throat thing going on. Oh yeah. my god! I just had a little tiny epiphany. This whole throat chakra thing. Like yeah. opening up and using my voice. I have just opened up my throat chakra mm-hmm. a little bit more. Oh, okay. It's all coming to <laughs> Yep. It all so, pieces together. That's my very long potion tail. Sounds good. Sounds good. How's your week been? Um, let's see. Well, my cup, I say it's, it was filled with like a thick muck for a while. But then... <laughs> Using my magic, I transformed it into this like rich, dark chocolate that was really yummy. Um, but yeah, I had some more more experiences with like these dark emotions. Just I don't know what they do. They just take hold, and then I don't function through the day. So there was all day Sunday. I just was stuck there. Um, it started Saturday night actually. I've been having a lot of things with my head that not just headaches, but like this weird kind of feeling where my head feels so fuzzy that I can't focus. And I guess it's like a really severe head fog, but I literally can't do anything but sit and lay down and like close my eyes, but then sometimes I have to open them because closing them makes it worse. And it's just an awful feeling. And so I also spent a lot of time on Sunday figuring out why, because that used to happen to me a lot. And then during the time I had started eating really clean, pretty much vegan, like my health was obviously like the best it ever was and that had stopped. And now that it's coming back, I'm kind of like, okay, I know I haven't been eating that well. So what specifically did I eat that day? And I, I tied it back to gluten. So I've decided to cut gluten again. Yep. Um, and I don't do dairy and I'm really trying to stick to uh, plant-based as much as I possibly can through the day. Mm-hmm. and it has helped like I already feel my digestion coming back to to good and now I'm just really trying to cleanse these headaches because I was taking uh, Excedrin which is like Tylenol with caffeine every day because I was getting headaches every day and I couldn't function but I'm like I don't want that in my body I want to be clean so I need mm-hmm. to like detox and let myself suffer through headaches for like a week 
and then hopefully they'll be gone. That's my hope. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and are you a water drinker? Do you drink lots of water? I know, but the last, since I've started this too, I've been drinking eight glasses of water a day. Oh, good. Because that will really help flush it all out. Yeah. So I'm hoping this is, you know, going back uphill from here that with physical health and emotional health, like I also found, got the really amazing book. From that woman, I, I mentioned her before on here that she's the one that gave me that glowing green smoothie recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a new book out and I just got it yesterday and I started reading it and she really goes in deep uh, on What's the how... name of the book? <laughs> well, the name is a little, I think it's a little cheesy, but you know, it's called Recipes for Your Perfectly Imperfect Life. Oh, that's uh, sweet. Yeah, it's a little cheesy, but you know, she's... She's so awesome. Yeah. Because she goes in deep and like shares a lot of her own journey and the dark of her journey. Uh-huh. And, and she ties it because she's a nutritionist. She can tie it together. The, what you're physically putting into your body and how it also ties into the emotional things you're going through. Oh, so much. And, um, you know, everything that you experience, how it's all like interconnected. And so I already know and trust everything that she's done. So having this book to be able to read through is like a blessing because it's going to, I think, help me so much. And it has over a hundred new recipes from her. And I was looking through them last night. Oh my goodness. I cannot wait to try some of them. This is perfect timing for you. Yeah, I know. I was so excited because I I feel like I brought this book into my life too because, you know, I, I don't necessarily have the means to go out and buy like extra stuff sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But it literally happened Monday evening. Some cash just fell into my lap and I'm like, I was just thinking I wanted this book and now I can go get it. <laughs> Nicely so, done. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. But yeah, so that's, that's been my week, you know, just. Okay, cool. Trying to heal myself. <laughs> oh, well done. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. we all heal ourselves, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, you got to do it yourself, I think. Okay, let's get into Garion's view. So, chapter 17. Um, so, Garion was at the end of the last chapter, decided he was going to go tell Beric. And so, it starts with him finding Beric and telling him what he's been seeing. Um, and then Beric mentions Garion to Garion about his doom and, you know, kind of asks him, what did you see out there when I was changing? I know you saw it. And then Meryl, Beric's wife, I don't know if she was there the whole time or just shows up, but she's just kind of really being annoying by, by still like pestering him. Like, I'm just doing my duty. But then the three of them decide that they're going to go tell Mr. Wolf and Aunt Pole and everybody else of what Garion saw. So they do. And it's at this moment that Mr. Wolf seems to think of something and has Aunt Paul check him for it. And sure enough, there is something, a little bit of a touch there of whatever this thing is. But then Aunt Paul says, you need to go to your room and rest so that I can come talk to you in a little bit about everything you've ever seen with Asherak anytime you've ever come in contact with him. But then Garion goes to his room Who's waiting for him but Ashrak with like a little mini army and they try to catch him and he runs away. Mm-hmm. That's the chapter. Yeah. Well, show's over. See you next week, guys. No, I was joking. That was very funny. I might even edit that out. <laughs> yeah, but I really like this chapter. I think it's, Again, I, there's been a couple throughout the book, but this is another one that's really got me like interested to see where everything's going to go. Yeah, yeah, we're getting, it's, it's really sort of starting to happen. The, the things are starting to move ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the, often the case when, you, when you're reading a series, especially like a series yeah. that's longer than three books. Like this is a series of yeah. five books. Right. Um, and ultimately the story continues through another series of five books until the culmination of this particular set of characters. Wow. 
So yes, we're going to do lots and lots of shows. So then there's ultimately like 10 books in this? Yeah, for, these, char- for these characters, yep. Wow. And even cool. then there are more because there are then, uh, there's a book for Polgara and a book for Belgareth. Wow. Separate again, <laughs> which it sort of goes back into their beginnings. Mm-hmm. And so I, like, seriously, I, I have high hopes that this show will run for a very long time because I'd love to do all of the books. All of them. Yeah. That would be awesome. It's, it's, yeah, like Lord of the Rings has, like, the prequel stuff that goes yeah. from the beginning of time and yeah. teaches yeah. you so, all of it. That's so, cool. Lots of magic and shenanigans in our futures, I <laughs> think. So, yeah, so, um, so yeah the, the chapter begins with Garion at Barrack's door, banging on the door, calling out to Barrack. And Barrack's just like, go away, go away, go away. But Garion's really insistent and says, like, I have to talk to you. Um, and then finally Barrack opens the door and what's your impression? Like, how do you imagine this scene in your mind when Barrack opens the door? I imagine like Garion's reaction to be kind yeah. of humorous. <laughs> like, whoa, what happened to you? you know, kind of reaction. Yeah, like, yep, that's exactly what I, what, what, how I see it too. Like, th- th- it's written that Barrack opens the door and is just completely disheveled mm-hmm. and... Um, rumpled and matted and his braids are undone and his like hair sticking out and his his clothes are dirty and just he looks and I love the way that it's written his 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 self-loathing is so beautifully and really simply described as like a mixture of horror and self-loathing that was so naked that Garion was forced to avert his eyes and Oh, that, that's, that, that was a really powerful description for me. Yeah, I like that because it feels like it's kind of like the journey that we each have to go on to be able to come to a place. And sometimes we're forced into it like Beric was, where you can just be completely raw and vulnerable mm-hmm. with somebody else in the room with you. Like a lot of people mm-hmm. can't, even with somebody like their uh, life partner or something, you know? And so, like, the fact that Beric's in that place now, I think it's just a really, Hmm. um, it's, like, something we can all learn from to be like, wow, that's, you know, he had to go through all of that. Um, And it's interesting that you say, did you say forced to sort of go into that vulnerable place? And and he really was, but, and and very often on an underworld journey or when when we're forced to descend, Mm-hmm. it's not by choice like we don't descend by choice a lot of the time and a lot of the time we cling to the edges of the earth and we don't want to go underground we kick and scream and resist and we get dragged down anyway because the goddess will have mm-hmm. what she wants you know and if it's time for you to transform or time for you to do some work it's time and you know it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you don't want to you get to go anyway <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's exactly where he's at. You know, and so he, he talks to Garion about, about the doom, you know, because he wants to know what Garion saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he seems really adamant to get Garion's answer of, like, what is it that you saw? I want to know, mm-hmm. you know. And then they, they talk about what this doom is because Garion's like a doom, you know, you're not dead. And Barrack's like, well, a doom doesn't necessarily mean you have to die. The doom is just a terrible thing that's fated to happen. And there's, there's stuff that's worse than death. Garen's like, well, you know, you just mud, you just let mud that old, crazy old woman into your head. You just, you know, don't worry about it. And Barrack goes on to say, to, to talk about that it's not just mud, it's just, it's been all fortune tellers through his life. And there's like a tradition in, in Cherik when a baby is born, they call in the augurers to see, you know, to, to, to cast auguries about the baby's life. And if there's anything important or interesting that's going to happen to the baby or in their lifetime. And usually it's like a nothing thing. But for Barak, mm-hmm. it's like it's so, this doom was so huge that everyone could see it. And um, it was always the same thing that he was going to turn into a beast. Yeah. And so he just wants to know what kind of beast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but, but it's like he's lost in this 
It's, it seems like he's broken, but but so often, well, not so often, every time, we must, you know, it, there is a breaking to get through the shell of what was to get to what we will be. There has to be that breaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think... I mean, what I'm imagining is going to happen is that this doom is actually going to come out to greatly, you know, benefit him or maybe the world or his people or something. Yeah. yeah. In some way later. But right now it's like going through hell. Yeah. yeah. And, we, and it, that's what it feels like when we first go into that place. Mm-hmm. It feels like the world's falling apart. Yeah. Instead of actually maybe it's falling together. Yeah, and like Gary, and through all of this, he almost thinks that Beric's like going crazy. Right? He's like he seems to be like, yeah, just kind of trying to dismiss what Beric's saying, like making small of what he's saying. Yeah, uh, and I think that 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 does that that doesn't come from any place except discomfort for Gary, mm-hmm. like because he's not sure what he saw either, but he definitely saw something. He saw a bear laid over the top of barracks so he could say you're turning into a bear but he doesn't mm-hmm. why do you think that he doesn't you know just say what he saw oh i think he's getting really scared at this point because he's dealing with this man in the green cloak and whoever he was talking to and why they were why they're looking for him and everyone he's with and then also almost, I don't know that he was near death or anything, but getting so injured by the boar himself, I think was the kind of wake up call that, yeah. you know, he can be tough, but, you know, if even a boar can kind of knock him down, then, you know, what's the fact that he saw Barrack changing into a bear, what is that going to mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And interesting, like, it's almost a throwaway comment. You know, they're talking about fortune tellers. Oh, you know, Garen saying fortune tellers are just superstitious people. You know, one of them even came to Faldor's farm once and told Dernick he was going to die twice. Isn't that silly? Garen says, isn't that silly? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but anyway, so they, they, they're talking and then Barak sort of sinks even deeper into his horror of himself you know my teeth are getting sharper the hair on my body is getting longer look at them look at them look at them like it's almost like I can imagine this manic look on his face look at me look at me look at me tell me that I'm see how I'm turning into a beast but I don't think that that's actually so I think he's just imagining it okay well you know because because physically like he's been described as a very hairy man Uh (laughs) like that time he had his shirt off and Silk was teasing him about him having so much hair on his body. That was way yeah. back in the beginning. But so I, I don't know. I get the feeling that he's like making it out to be much more than it is because of the shock of it all. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I think. Like Garion <laughs> says, you look exactly the same to me as you always have. Yeah. And then I like how they threw that word berserk in here. <laughs> That. Yeah, the Garion says, no, no, you just smelled the, like, you, Barak says, I could smell the animal on me when I came, when, you know, I just came back to myself, I could smell the animal, the animal on me, and Garion's like, well, no, that was just the boar, you just lost your head, you just lost your head, in, in all the excitement, and, mm-hmm. and Barak's like, no, no, that berserk, you mean, no, no, I've been berserk, that, mm-hmm. this, this is not what that was. Right. What yeah, is it, it like about the word? No, there's there's a Japanese anime show. I think it's a movie called Berserk, and it's like three part series. And man, that stuff goes deep. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. And there's some points that it's like disturbing, but then you get like the point and the truth of it all. It's like oh my god. So yeah, it just took me back there. Yeah, there's something about it that it, it's almost mystic. This sort of primal, not mystic, primal, this berserk kind of right down into the guts of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then... Meryl comes in. Oh, yes. While they're talking about turning into the beast, Barak's still insisting that he's turning into a beast and Garion's saying, no, you're not. And then Meryl turns up, she steps through the door that Garion's left open and starts starts in on Barak. Now, I know that you 
you were saying that, you know, she's just sort of giving Barak a hard time and being a bitch again, basically. Yeah. But there's stuff in here that I'm not perfectly comfortable with. Like what? Well, she's very, she's doing the whole arrogant, um, you know, I'm, simp- I'm simply concerned with you. I just want to make sure that my Lord is well, you know, I did, wouldn't want to neglect any of my duties. If I need to care for you, I'll care for you. And, you know, and then Barrack's like, well, quit worrying so much about cares and duties. And then I'll just read this little bit. My Lord was quite insistent about certain rights and duties on the night of his return to Vallalorn, she said. Not even the locked door of my bedchamber was enough to curb his insistence. Mm-hmm. And so I know that I, th- I'm, I'm, I think I've touched on it before, this whole, yeah, you know. It's not the first time it's come up in this series. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that uh, I'm just not, I'm just not, I'm reading it differently this time. There's stuff in here that I don't find amusing mm-hmm. or as light as I did last time I read it. And so that's a shift in me. So that's something that's interesting as I read to notice how I have changed. Like it's, it's, it's interesting that novels can be a reflection, like a mirror to you, you know, yeah. reflecting back to you the way that you think differently now than you did the last time you read it. So so I'm finding that a very interesting experience. But I, so I don't like the fact that he basically raped his wife mm-hmm. and, and then just goes, oh, all right, you know, hush, I'm sorry about that. I hope things might have changed, but I was wrong. I won't bother you again. And she's like, bother? No, no, no bother. You know, whatever. I'm here to serve my Lord and submit to you whenever you like. So, you know, I don't... I, I really, you know, yeah, you go, girl. Be a bitch as much as you like. If that had happened to me, I would fucking be a bitch too if I had the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, that definitely <laughs> makes sense that it's, you know, I picked up on this, that comment as well. And I think I just, I saw it as like, this is like a different time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And just like the world of, you know, when, when Game of Thrones is set, it's supposed to be back. Even though it's another world, it's supposed to be back in time somewhere. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's just the way it was, yeah. you know? Like, women didn't have a voice as much. And they well, didn't. It's interesting, though, because, well, I mean, it's a reflection of society at any point in time, I think, because there are powerful women in this story. Not all yeah. the women are downtrodden and voiceless. Mm-hmm. Meryl's certainly not voiceless. <laughs> so, so I think it, it does reflect all of the aspects of, you know, and I know that it's a fantasy world, I know it's a different world, but it's written. And that's the whole point of story, to, to, to make us think, to, to take us on a journey to, through, through what we think, why we think it, to help us explore the, our our lives and our world and understand things from different points of view. So, yeah, I just that's just what's coming up for me. That's different this time that I'm reading it. I never mm-hmm. worried about that much before. It was yeah. I, I was much more on Barrack's side. I was much mm-hmm. more well. Meryl's just being a bitch, but it's definitely not that way inside my head this time. Yeah, yeah, I can see how the roles would switch mm. when you look at it that way. It's very interesting. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then, so, you know, Barrack's like, watch out or I'll make you look after me as I'm turning into a beast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, whatever. I'll just have King Anna chain you to the wall. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> so I do like the way that she kind of fronts and like, she doesn't take any bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a very interesting um, dynamic between the two of them. Yeah, I just think she rubbed me the wrong way. Oh, you definitely. Now I'm kind of like, eh. (laughs) Well, you know, I know that, it. you know, I'm coming at it from a different point of view, but that's the thing. Like, this is the first time that I've read her this way. Mm -hmm. And I've read this a a lot of times. 
And every yeah. single time she pisses me off and she annoys me and she rubs me up the wrong way. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that it hasn't happened like that. So maybe it takes 20 odd years of reading it before. <laughs> you appreciate Meryl. <laughs> it could be. But anyway, so Garen's really uncomfortable through all this. Yeah. He's just so, kind of standing there. So he, he finally gets to jump in, like, change the topic. Like, and he gotta, does just change the topic. I got to talk to you about something. You not now, not you? now, not now, Beric says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Gary pushes it, of course. Yeah, yes now, so, it's important. <laughs> yeah. And tells him about the spy, that it's a man in a green cloak, and Meryl tries to, to dismiss it, but, like, well, lots of people wear green cloaks. And then Beric's, you know, telling her to stay out of it. So Garion tells them in detail, like, you know, mm. everything he's, he saw him this morning and he followed him and that they overheard everybody talking. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like reading a lot of the same stuff over again here because Garion's literally explaining to mm. them what we already read in the last chapter. Mm. So and we get a repeat. Yeah, and talks about that there's a Mergo in Valalorn you know, they, they, these people met in the forest and then Barak tries to question him about the Mergo, but Garion gets the, that compulsion and he can't, he can't say anything more about, um, about, about the Mergo. He gets this stiff, his tongue got stiff again and, and he just ignores Barak's question and um, then talks about when they were in the forest and he mentions the flaxen-haired man and that changes... Meryl and Barracks that really mm-hmm. captures their attention. Um, they seem to know him. Did you get that? Yeah, because she is asking, you mean he has long, pale colored hair, no beard, a little older than Barrack? Like she's already envisioned exactly who this is. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that definitely pulls them in so that they start listening and, you know, they. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though that the switch, like Meryl, Meryl just drops the bitch, the bitchy persona, and she kind of plugs into the conversation, like, and has starts having a serious conversation with Barrack. Mm-hmm. And they talk. I mean, there's stuff that it's it's a bit vague here. It gets a bit clearer in as we go through the chapter, but you know, they talk about this this flaxen-haired guy, the one who's ordering things around and wants the spy to get close to the conversations to report back to the Murgo, you know, they talk about the flaxen haired guy, like he, it, it, it's like he was, he was supposed to be, oh no, no, I know what I'm thinking. So Garion's like, some of the things he said about Barrack went very polite. <laughs> and Meryl's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I can imagine. Barrack was one of the ones who wanted his head chopped off. So obviously this guy's done something before. And he was banished. Um, and so he's not supposed to be there. So they know sort of who he is right away or they suspect who he is right away. And Barrack's like, well, you know, he wants to go and tell Arnig straight away. What do you think of Meryl here? Um, you mean the part where she's telling him to fix himself up? Yeah. You look like a haystack. <laughs> yeah. That was funny. I liked that saying. I'm going to start using that now you know just it's just this total switch like she's totally dropped that antagonistic person and she's like a concerned partner who's Mm -hmm. interested in what's going on plugged into the conversation like and both of them seem to have this this connection that they haven't had before apparently which is which i think is is interesting and so they 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 march off up the the corridor to see arnig and barracks (laughs) The way it's described is like people, all the soldiers looking at them mar- marching up the corridor and Bar- and um, Garion and Meryl have to run to keep up. Mm-hmm. Barrack's like so huge and his steps are so, so wide and everyone's yeah. like shocked at his appearance. Hey, he must look like hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a funny scene. Yeah. So they go in and they talk to King Anig and... They crash yeah. through the door. Treason, Arnig! Barak yells. Right, right. And he's uh, automatically just accusing somebody named the Earl of Jarvik. Yes. So the Earl of Jarvik is the flaxen-haired man. Broken his banishment and set spies in your own palace. You know, so they talk about this for a while. Mm-hmm. 
And Lady Merrill is really backing him on this now. She's like, my husband's words are true. I heard Gary and say everything. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. And Arnig's like, oh, yep, it's it's okay. I, I'm not questioning, you know, your, your your honesty, Merrill. I just want to know more about it, you know, but he's sort of surprised yeah. that, the, <laughs> you know, she's being um, supportive. Yeah. And so when they, they announced that it was Gary and that told them all of this, then we hear Aunt Paul jump in, mm-hmm. you know. And she seems surprised that Garion was the one to tell them all of this. They get Garion to to tell the whole story, and then Garion starts um, talking straight to King Arneg, talking about the man in the green cloak and how he creeps along. And then all the times he saw him, you know, saw him going to a tavern in the city with a Murgo. Barak says there aren't any Murgos in Choke, but I know that the man he was with was a Murgo. And again, Garen can't say Ashrak's name. He has this compulsion on him. And they keep questioning <laughs> him. And then Silk steps in to help. Well, maybe you know this Murgo, you know. Well, you wouldn't know many Murgos. And says Silk, and you know, was it the one that we met in the counting house at Doreen? And as soon as he, as Silk says, Asherak, was it Asherak, like names him, Garion is able to talk about him. And Barak's like, why didn't you tell us? And Garion's like, I, I couldn't. The words wouldn't come out. So you okay. take over from here because this, this is your first read and this is, in, this is the important part. Yeah, I think it's important to note that the first time Garion can acknowledge you know, this is the first hint I ever got that he was actually physically being stopped from saying anything. I thought he was just deciding that he didn't want to. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't okay. know that there was some force, like, stopping him. Oh, okay. And it's not until Silk, you know, prompts him by, you know, well, let me see. You knew this Murgo and this Murgo. Was it Asherak? And Garion cannot. And then... It's when he says the words wouldn't come out that I'm like, oh, there's something else going on here, you know. Right. Um, and so then this is where they get into, you know, trying to find out how often he's seen him, where he's seen him. And Aunt Paul seems to know that there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. So this is where I'm, you know, I, I guess it's meant to be left, you know, so that you're still kind of confused about what exactly it is in oh, okay. In Garion's mind. Did you want me to talk about it? Yeah, if you want to talk about it. Because um, this is where Aunt Paul and Mr. Wolf kind of start hinting that, um, well, Silk asks if Polgara knows more, or more about it. And she says, you know, it's possible to do it. It's never been very reliable. Yeah. She doesn't bother to do it herself, but it's possible. So I'm like, okay, well, what is this thing that's possible? Yeah, so there's this, this touch. So when, when she, she sort of starts to wonder, you know, what's going on, you know, Gar- they, she talk, they talk about how Gorlams think this particular magic is impressive, but, you know, what do Gorlams know, basically? And so she, she, she goes up to Gary and puts her hands on his head and she gets this, she, she can sense whatever this touch on his mind is. So I'll, that's what I'll call it. You know, this touch on his mind, she can sense that it's there. And then she calls um, Mr. Wolf over. And Mr. Wolf, interested, I, I thought it was interesting. I haven't ever noticed this before, but Polgara puts her hands on Garion's head. Mr. Wolf puts his hand on his heart to feel. Mm. And he says, yes, it's there. And I don't know, I just, I noticed mm. that this time and it's the first time I've noticed that particular difference. And then Polgara right away wants to go away with Garion and like take, investigate this further. And Wolf's like, well, it's happened now. It doesn't matter. Just let us, let's talk about this stuff and get everything out in the open. And so Garion then turns to Mr. Wolf and feels relieved that he's no longer talking to the king but you know mr wolf and so just like unloads everything Mm -hmm. tells the whole story and that he could hear you know everything that they were saying repeats back to them some of the conversation and they're all like oh shit yep radio 
and and silk silk sort of finds the corner where the the mortars of it crumbled away and he says yeah up here that's where they would have been because the sand will have carried through up through the the cracks and then aunt pole when when king rodas sort of saying oh if he wants a profession when he grows up i might have something for him you know information gathering is quite a skill he seems to have it and mm-hmm. um, aunt pole um well she's a bit like yes well he has those, he does those sort of things. It doesn't, she's, she's a bit sort of unimpressed about the whole thing. Yeah. You know, King Arnick's like, well, don't be too hard on him, poor guy, because, you know, he's done us a great service. So King Arnick then, he'll send Beric, right? He's sending yep. Beric to find Jarvik. Yes. That's who he's sending him to find. And then, you know, they make some kind of inside jokes to each other, like, I just want to be talkative. He doesn't need to be completely intact as long as he can talk. That's all I need. I think that they're not going to find Jarvik. They're going to find the guy in the green cloak who's working for Jarvik. Okay. So those are two different people. Yes. Okay. So the guy in the green cloak is Jarvik's spy. Right. And Jarvik is setting his spy to work to collect information to feed to Asherak. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, not too intact, of course. You know, just if you can talk, that's good enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I like I like this next part where yeah, you know, uh, King Anag is like thanking them for bringing them the information, and he um, addresses Meryl specifically too. Yep. And she comments of like, you know, not at all. It was my duty. Yeah, she's and, back. She's back with the mask fully in place. And but I loved how Anik was like, there's a lot more than just duty, you know. You got to find that for yourself, though. Yeah, yeah. You know, he seems a little bit frustrated with her that yeah. she's always so about duty and yeah. nothing else. I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, I know that I probably harp on it a little bit, but it's a, it's a, it's a really good relationship dynamic. The whole over the story, the way that it develops with Barak and Meryl. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'll let that go for now. But so, <laughs> so, so Gary and um, Aunt Paul wants to to Gary to come over, and Gary's like almost nervous to go near her. Yeah, yeah. So you she, talk about what she does. I want to get you. Yeah, this is this is the moment where she touches his hand to her hair, like the like they've done before. Uh, a couple times on accident, like Garion did it or on purpose. And it seems to be that after she does this, he's able to just like spill everything mm-hmm. without feeling the need to hold back. Mm-hmm. You know, and he says, it's Ashrak. He's followed me all my life. Come to Faldor's farm. And Aunt Paul, though, stops him and they tell him he needs to rest and he needs to go to his room and rest because he's gonna you know he seems to feel really lightheaded he even mentions he feels lightheaded he seems to be in some um, sort of days like not really with it yeah and so aunt pole is basically just telling him you know go rest and all and he just keeps saying all right all right and <laughs> you know he's not his usual kind of no, he seems to fall into this really innocent sort of headspace, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, just following Aunt Paul's directions like a little child. Yeah, exactly. So whatever she did to him, I don't know, but he goes back to his room. Well, and- before you go any further, like you, she's, she's broken the connection between him. Like she's broken this mind connection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they talk about the Garion feels a surge, a welter of confusion, tingling wrench behind his ears, and then a sudden dizziness sweeps over him, and he would have fallen if Aunt Paul hadn't caught him. And that's when he can answer questions. So obviously Aunt Paul's broken whatever this 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 spell was that was in his mind that stopped him from being able to talk about it. And I imagine mm-hmm. it's kind of like being woken up suddenly from a dream where you're in that kind of fuzzy confused sort of disconnected state that's that's what he feels like in here it feels like he's disconnected from reality a little bit like she's things aren't like they were 
And so he doesn't quite know what they are. And is in a very impressionable kind of state. So when she says, go to your room, I, get, it's like, I almost get the feeling like he's in a, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a hip, like, like almost a hypnotic state. Like in a daze. Yeah, like just a total kind of, um, like she's suggesting stuff and he's just willing to go with it because all of those resistances, like there's no resistance to her suggestions. So, yeah, yeah. So she's cleared his mind from whatever that block was, keeping him yeah. from talking about Asherak and everything else related yep. to him. Yep. So she kisses him on the forehead and run along now, dear. And then off he goes, wandering off towards his room. And I love this. I love the word bemused. He's bemused. Oh, I love that word. <laughs> yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. And he just kept going without stopping. So you talk, mm-hmm. you talk about up here up to the end of the chapter. So this is where he goes back to his room, you know, and he uh, sees, I don't know if I'm skipping anything in between, but he sees the soldiers kind of hanging out in the corridors. And, and, you know, he mentions that they are, they look like Cheriks, you know, just like regular soldiers. And, and he thinks initially that they are part of the hunt for this man in the green cloak. But then as he gets closer, he realizes that there's something really off. He kind of gets that feeling in him again, like mm-hmm. it's just intuition telling him there's something wrong. And mm-hmm. I think that's when Ashrak actually steps out or he sees him. Or he, hears steps, his voice. he steps out of Garion's room. Yeah. Like into the corridor where Gar- like, and Garion's backing away. He's already started backing away before Ashrak comes out of the bedroom, like towards the top of the stairs and he's just cut, walked up. Um, yeah, so he's step, backstepping towards the stairs again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he has that little short conversation with him about, you know, you think that, or they think that they can help you, or you think that it's not going to um, keep controlling you. He's like, but I'll be able to do it again. You know, you're not going to get away from me. I'm going to, we're still going to have that connection. I can do it again, or something like that. And Mm-hmm. Um, so he orders his guards to, to take him um, and one of them tries to kill him <laughs> and he's like no we're not dead you idiot <laughs> I want him alive and so we see Gary on like running in the other direction to try to get away mm-hmm. at the end of the chapter mm-hmm. and I just noticed I don't um I just know, I, th- I think I sk- somehow skipped over this when I was reading but that dry voice in his mind made an appearance as, oh, yeah. he, as he was walking back to his room before Ashrak appeared, his mind was sort of half asleep, but this dry voice observed to him that something significant had just happened in the breaking of the compulsion that Ashrak had put on him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's not sure how he feels about it because it was such an intimate connection. And so he's kind of one, you know, exploring that, um, that bond. And yeah. it felt a bit empty, you know, and, and a bit, um, even a bit violated because that's something that has always been there and suddenly it's not there anymore. Right. So it's a bit strange feeling. Yeah. Have something within you just removed. So like, yeah. Something that you've attached. always known. And, and yeah, so he sort of wasn't sure how he felt about that. And then, you know, Ashrak appeared, of course. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love, I love how, um, uh, you know, Ashok tries to grab his mind again and just keeps slipping. He just can't mm-hmm. grab onto it. Yeah. Um, and, and he says, who's done this? Belgarath, Polgara, I had you once, I'll have you again. And, and I just love how Garion's like, yeah, well, maybe, but I think you're going to have to catch me first. And he runs right. away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit of innocence and, yeah child you know yeah like a bit of defiance you know yeah what you reckon fine but i think you have to <laughs> me first yeah how you doing sweetie how's your head it's it's pretty intense i don't know like oh, babe, i'm really? sorry if i've been like mellow through this no, but it's okay. well let's um let's just do a quick um wrap up hey yeah. I won't hold you here too much. I'll 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 talk more if you like, so you don't have to plug in. So okay. for, for, we'll go into magic now. Yeah, magic. 
So my magic was um, Asherak's failed attempt to recapture Garion's mind. I just really, I liked that. I liked that part, that, that kind of the arrogance of Asherak, um, just thinking he can snare, you know, Garion because he's always had him and the way that that slips and his sudden switch into annoyance, like irrita- irritated annoyance, like what the fuck, what the fuck? And my, my magic snappy snaps aren't working. What's going on? So I, I, I like that part. Yeah, the moment where you see like the little bit of a weakness in the villain. It's always really Yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, mine was, I really liked, I was trying to stay away from the obvious of Aunt Pole touching Garion's head. So I went with the moment that Aunt Pole realizes that she missed the fact that there was this tie like garen was mind was tied to ashrak in some way mm-hmm. um, yeah she's really distressed just, hey yeah like just the way she reacted to me it seemed very unlike her like i feel like she would normally just act really proud about something mm. but i think when it comes to garen though she has a really soft place in her heart for him so mm. the fact that he could have possibly something could have, terrible could have happened to him because of something she overlooked, like just mm-hmm. made her really sad and feel really bad. And of course, um, Mr. Wolf tries to talk her out of that. Like nobody wants to see you yeah. <laughs> beating yourself up. Just take it as a lesson learned and move on with it. So, yeah, it's a lovely little connection between them, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked it. Straight into a bit of real life relating. <laughs> So mine, mine is is being witness to uncomfortable conversations between husband oh, and wife. That's a good one. <laughs> so, you know who who hasn't who you know I guess has happened to all of us. But I can remember times when I was little, my mum and dad, when there was tension, like there'd mm-hmm. just been an argument or something was going on that I didn't know about. You know because we were kids, we didn't know about this stuff, and and there was just just you know, sometimes it would just be very uncomfortable and I didn't want to see it or I didn't want to be around, but I didn't have any other place to go, but I would have left if I could, you know, those (laughs) things. Yeah, I've been there too. So if it wasn't obvious, that's the Barrack and Meryl thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I kind of picked the same scene. And it's funny because we talked about this oh, did you? Pretty, pretty good already. So I think my opinion might have changed a little bit now. But what I initially wrote from my initial like perspective on this scene was when Meryl comes into the room and she's just being really, really annoying. Like I felt her to be really annoying. Like regardless, you know, I get, you know, yeah. Barrack forcing himself on her gives her right for sure. But I just, I don't know, I feel like, despite like even if that hadn't happened that she might still be a little bit oh yeah annoying personality in general so my whole thing was like I've had people who like to like hang around you just for the fact to like annoy you and they like get some kind of enjoyment out of that yeah and it drives me crazy because I'm somebody I just like quiet and so somebody who's going to do that to me is quickly going to be like I never want to see you again in my life (laughs) go away good yeah fair enough I don't think I would be friends with Meryl she's very childish (laughs) okay all right wow prophecy speaks already our favorite favorite part Would you like to go first? Yeah, I can go. Um, so I'm the book I'm using today is Fellowship of the Ring. I realize I'm always talking about Lord of the Rings on here, and I have yet to use this book. <laughs> in the prophecy, I'm like, what's wrong with you? So I'm going to use it's the first book in the series, uh-huh. and my intention or question, I guess, is 
Like, I really want to know how I can get past these dark emotions. I know that they have to come, but I don't want them to be so intense that it like completely stops my functioning, you know, and so close together too. Like I want more, less of it and like more of the light stuff. So that's my question. Yeah. It's like you're having contractions. I know. (laughs) The universe is giving birth to a whole new Alicia. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. (laughs) Funny. (laughs) Okay, so here we go. Um, When he returned, he was not reassuring. We have come too far to the north, he said, and we must find some way to turn back southwards again. If we keep on as we are going, we shall get up into the Ettendales, far north of Rivendell. That is troll country and little known to me. <laughs> we, we could perhaps find our way through and come around to Rivendell from the north, but it would take too long for I do not know the way and our food would not last. So somehow or other, we must find the ford of Ruinen. Hmm. Mm. I'm going to read the next paragraph. Yes, please. <laughs> it's short. Um, the rest of the day they spent scrambling over rocky ground. They found a passage between two hills that led them into a valley running southeast, the direction that they wished to take. But towards the end of the day, they found their road again barred by a ridge of high land. <laughs> the stark edge against the sky was broken into many bare points like teeth of a blunted saw. They had a choice between going back or climbing over it. (laughs) And what did they do? (laughs) Of course they climbed over it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That second paragraph, I think, got really specific to my question. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I need to um, continue to climb over the dark peaks. (laughs) Sorry, babe. Life is not finished. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but hopefully there'll be less of them. Oh, that's funny. And you know <laughs> you know how labor you know how labor is gets pretty intense there before the Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh, nice one. That was good. That was very good. <laughs> okay, so um this week I am reading from the Reiki source book by Bronwyn and Franz Stein. Um, I'm being a Reiki practitioner and um, a teacher for a long, long time. And I really like this guy's teachings. I like the way he um, talks about, talks about Reiki. Um, I'll make, I've been starting to put links in the show notes for the books that we use, like Goodread links, so that if people want to check out the books that we use or the authors, mm-hmm. click through from the website. Maybe even in your pod, you know, like your podcatcher show notes, sometimes those links are clickable too. But if you ever want clickable links, you can always go to the website. So, yep, yeah, that's the book I'm reading from. And... Um, my question this week is, is it the right time to progress Goddess Kindled University? I've been um, asked to teach therapeutic guided meditation for an online organisation um, in their accreditation course. And uh, alongside that, like I've been developing an online, a teachable school, which I call Goddess Kindled University in the background for uh, a year or more now just as I'm, you know, writing the books and, and coaching and, and therapying and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been building the framework. And so it feels like maybe it's the right time to flesh one of those courses out properly and just have a pre-recorded, start getting the pre-recorded courses up there, start getting the materials sorted. But there's also this other thing, and this, this, so there's a lot of teaching, yeah, sort of floating around, and and where and how to move forward with that, if to move forward with that, is it the right time? And because I have a habit of taking on too much and over committing myself, 
mm-hmm. and then then um, running myself into the ground and you know falling apart a little bit for a while. So I just I don't want to do that this time. So I'm just you know is it the right time to progress that or not? Sounds good. One day he climbed. Karumayama, and after 21 days of a severe discipline without eating, he suddenly felt one great Reiki over his head and attained enlightenment, and he obtained Reiki Rohoyo. Then he tried it on himself and experimented on his family members. The efficacy was immediate. What the fuck? Oh, okay. Okay, so here's a tip, guys. If you read a a paragraph and it's like, I have no freaking idea how this applies, let your eyes soften and on the same pages that you're on or even, you know, however you feel you need to do it, just ask for clarification. Say, okay, I just need a bit more clarification. And let your eyes drift to another paragraph. And what I get now is, now and again, it is necessary to seclude yourself among deep mountains and hidden valley to restore your link to the source of life. Breathe in and let yourself soar to the ends of the universe. Breathe out and bring the cosmos back inside. Next, breathe up all the fecundity and vibrancy of the earth. Finally, blend the breath of heaven and the breath of earth with that of your own becoming the breath of life itself. And if I combine that with the one day he climbed and after the severe blah, 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 bang, there it was, enlightenment. Mm-hmm. It's necessary to seclude yourself. So I'm thinking that I don't need to put myself out there. <laughs> but I need to do the, keep doing the work in the background. So that one day it's going to appear like bang. It's just all there suddenly. Yeah. And two, you remember, uh, wow. You remember a few weeks ago you had um, a prophecy in this prophecy segment. You had asked specifically about whether you should take on that teaching work with the other people or not. I what did it say? It was telling, basically telling you, yes, it was time to do that. So maybe. Ah, okay. So maybe I'm trying to spread it out to like make too much of it again. Cause I do that. No, I do too. I, okay. I do that all the time. So I think, yeah, like, yeah, for your, your own university, yeah, I keep doing that in the background. Yeah. Yeah. You yep. know, and don't, don't stress out about it. I'm trying to get it done or put something out and just see what this other teaching opportunity has. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you very much. That's just my opinion though. No, no, that's not just your opinion. That's your intuition. And I'm very grateful that you shared it with me. Good. Yeah. You're in that, you're in that dreamy state. You're out of it. So you're like more plugged into the divine. So I'm I'm like, how I can't wait to hear how I sound on this episode. My prediction for the next chapter. Sorry, I'm talking Uh, to the top of you. It's okay. I'm saying last week my prediction was that Garion will learn some secrets from Barak about the bear thing and action will be taken against the man in the green cloak. That's pretty calm. That's pretty, pretty, pretty good prediction there. So what's this week? What's gonna next chapter um, gonna be? I think that there's gonna be a confrontation between Mr. Wolf and Polgara with Asherah. Uh-huh. That they might confront him. Ooh, I just did something weird to my screen. There we go. That I think, uh, and during his escape that, or, or after, something might show itself within Gary and like whatever the secret power or intuition he has might shine through even stronger than it has yet. Okay. I hope you guys can, if you hear a humming on my end, somebody is outside, like, I don't know if they're weed whacking or dust. <laughs> 
blow they're just doing it to annoy you. They're, they're just annoying you. That's what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, it's right at the end, so you don't have to hear it too long. <laughs> I do. Well, you on. guys. Have a cough. Oh, God. Last week, I was coughing my freaking head off. Now it's coming back. It's good that we're at the end. Yeah. Okay. So if you're all the way at the end of the episode with us, um, lovely listeners, use the hashtag Barrack the Bear to hit us up on social media about this specific chapter. You can find us um, on Instagram and on Facebook at Belgariad and beyond. You can contact us through our website. You'll find all the clickable stuff there. Send us your questions and your comments and your bits of prophecy and, you know, have some conversations with us. We're starting to have conversations with, um, I know we're time traveling again. You will hear this well in the future, but I am going to start putting little shout outs to listeners. I'm going to sort of edit them in, I think, as I start editing yeah. the um that's a good so, idea. So if you're having conversations with us on social media, I'm going to shout you out, my darlings, because we're really grateful that you're plugging in and, um, you know, just mixing up some magic with us. So, And you know, too, what might other be a good encouragement is that, you know, if you post questions and stuff, if we start getting enough questions or whatever about anything, whether it's the book or what we're talking about or anything, mm-hmm. you know, then we can start maybe doing some you know, either like one question each episode or a, a, a Q&A episode where we just answer your guys' questions or do like a... Well, that would be a great bonus episode. We'll do a like a mailbag episode or something. I'll save up yeah. all of the questions and we'll do a, a special episode once we get enough questions. Yeah, so start posting some questions. <laughs> you know, we want to be involved with you guys. So. Yeah, so I mean, we have an email, belgariadandbeyond at gmail.com. Um, but you'll find all of the contact information at the website. So that's the best place to go. Belgaridandbeyond.goddesskindled.com. Yeah. And of course, on iTunes, you know, if you want to leave a rating or a review, we would really appreciate it so that more people can find us. And well, that's the end of our chap. That's the end of our chapter. That's the end of our episode for the day. I yeah. feel like it's been like a marathon. Yeah, it was kind of long. It was a long discussion for the chapter, I think, but I was also <laughs> headache the entire time. So I think that always makes something feel longer. Like I still yeah. avoid it, but my head is just like, wow, you'd be alone. Oh, you I'm up. so tempted to go take an Excedrin right now, but I'm like, don't do it. Maybe don't go, it. maybe go lie down. Just uh, yeah. do you have some lavender oil? I'm all out. I need to restock my oils. Okay. Well, go and go and do something nice for yourself. And look, if you have to take a painkiller, just maybe take an ordinary Tylenol with no caffeine. Yeah, I tried that this morning and it didn't do anything at all. <laughs> well, shit. <laughs> you better go take a nap. That's my suggestion. Yeah, I'm going to have to go lay down, I think. But all right, my darling. Anyways, have a great week, guys. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks for showing up and spending time with us. Okay. That's us done. Oh, sweetie, go lie down right away. Yeah, I'm going to.